0: Throughout this year the Jewish people worldwide are celebrating the 70th anniversary of the re-establishment of the state of Israel on May 14, 1948. What is the spiritual significance of this event, and why should Christians be interested in it? Stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents, Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy. Showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings, in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I have in the studio with me today two of my colleagues in the ministry. One, of course, is our web minister. Uh, and associate evangelist Nathan Jones and the other is our part-time associate evangelist and that's Tim Moore. Tim is a graduate of the Air Force Academy and is a colonel in the US Air Force Reserves. He's a pilot instructor for UPS and he is in his 12th year as a member of the Kentucky State Legislature. Now folks in his spare time, he goes out on weekends and speaks at churches and conferences in behalf of this ministry. Welcome to Christ in Prophecy, brother.
1: Thank you very much, Dave. I'm delighted to be here. And of course, I got to tell you that uh, it may be my part time job, but this is my full time passion (laughs) because of all the hats I wear, this is the one that has the most significance to me and obviously toward eternity.
0: Well, we know that from the feedback we're getting that you're doing a great job for us out there in these conferences and meetings, and we just praise God for that. Well, folks, uh, we are celebrating the 70th anniversary of the reestablishment of the State of Israel in May of 1948. And I want to interview both Tim and Nathan about that fit event. Uh, fellas, uh, do you see any spiritual significance? To the reestablishment of the state of Israel. Let's start with you, uh,
1: Tim. Well, most certainly I do. I can only imagine, Dave, if we had been here 100 years ago talking about this subject and <laughs> the soon return of Jesus Christ, we would have taken by faith that he was certainly able and willing to come at any moment when and there Father were people says who go. did, like the Puritans. Yes.
0: And they were laughed at and scoffed at. And they mocked.
1: were laughed at. And of course, people dismissed the idea that Israel would come into existence ever again, many of them. But 70 years ago this year, the Lord fulfilled all those ancient prophecies. And it's like the prophetic time clock just ran into overtime in terms of rushing toward the culmination of human history. So, I think there's tremendous uh, spiritual significance. And I think people today, if they were aware of the fulfillment of prophecy before our very eyes, they would recognize that
0: and every time you take a group to Israel, you take them to Independence Hall. Every and time. And do you sort of get goosebumps when oh, you go there? Oh, I do. Yes, sir. Because I think
1: this is the place where prophecy was fulfilled literally in the lifetimes of some of the people that go with me every year. And the sad thing is that probably
0: 90% or more of all the groups that go to Israel never spend one night in Tel Aviv no. and never go to Independence Hall because they don't See any significance to it.
1: Now, they think all of the uh, significant events happened 2,000 years ago, and clearly the Lord's ministry was the most significant (laughs) happening in all of human history, but there are things happening in our very lifetimes that are fulfillments of Bible prophecy. What about
2: you, Nathan? Well, the major event for me when I started this ministry, about uh, joined it about 11 years ago, was you took us to Israel to do a TV shoot about the 60th anniversary. So, it blows my mind that now we're at the 70th anniversary. But when it comes to Israel, you really opened my mind on that trip, and Tim, I'm so glad you lead these trips, is that it makes the Bible come alive. I was there where prophecy was fulfilled. And it's all leading up to something. Take, for instance, Ezekiel 36 and 37. It's about the reestablishment of Israel coming back from the dead. But then afterwards, it's followed by a war, the Gog and Magog War, where Russia and a coalition of Muslim nations come and attack Israel. God steps in, he defeats them, and this is why he does it. Uh, Ezekiel 38, 23. Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. The whole purpose of Israel coming back is that the world may know the Lord again.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, you know, uh, many people, and even some very influential Christian leaders, take the position. That the reestablishment of of Israel is just a political event of history, just an accident of history, and has no spiritual significance whatsoever. What do you say to a person like that?
1: Well, I clearly think that they are misguided and uh, have not studied the entirety of Bible prophecy or of Scripture itself. I'm so glad Nathan mentioned Ezekiel 36 and 37 because even as you go to Ezekiel 36, just before the Valley of Dry Bones, the Lord Himself says that He is going to bring Israel back. And of course, Many of the leaders you're citing will say, well, the Jews have not accepted Jesus as the Messiah, at least the great number of them, but the Lord's promise is not contingent upon the Jewish people being faithful to Him, any more than His promises to us are contingent upon me. Being perfect, even in my walk of faith, I certainly well, and try. Furthermore,
0: the Hebrew prophets said that in the end times the Jews are going to be regathered in
1: unbelief. In unbelief, the Lord said it's not for their sake that He's regathering them; it's for His name's sake. That's very clearly stated in Ezekiel thirty-six, thirty-two. For His own name's sake, and He will fulfill all of His promises, and He always does. Nathan.
2: Well, there's promises in the Bible that God makes, and He fulfills His promises 100% of the time. I think of Isaiah 66, verse 7 and 8, "'Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such a thing?' In other words Israel would come back and the labor pains <clears throat> would actually happen after the nation was formed. And that is a prophecy that was fulfilled. 1948 Israel became a nation again and there has been endless wars to defeat Israel since then. Yeah, We've the got
0: birth pains began that very day. Yeah, yes, it became do.
2: afterwards. Ezekiel 37, 21-22 another promise that the Jews would be back in the land. Yes. I love how you always bring up the fact that Schofield, who oh. lived at a time a hundred years ago, and he read the prophecies about Israel being back in the land, and he's like, well, I don't understand it, but the Bible says it's going to happen, therefore Israel will be back in the land again. Yes. And sure enough.
1: And you know some of the promises themselves were to the land. In Ezekiel, going again back to chapter 36, those beginning prophecies in that chapter are to the land itself, that it would be restored in preparation for the people to come back. Of course we know that writers like Mark Twain have traveled to Israel and saw it in its desolate state, but surely it has been restored as the Lord regathered His people. And once again He said, I am not doing this for your sake declares the Lord God. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed to be confounded. I am doing it for my sake. And He says in chapter 36, verse 36, Then the nations left round about you will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted that which was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken and will do it. Again, it's all to bring glory and honor to Himself. You mentioned the desolation of the land.
0: It yes. was absolutely desolate and oh, became yeah. even more desolate. And uh, really, uh, God—that's uh, prophesied by the scriptures. Yes, uh, by the scriptures, it says that when the Jews go yeah. out. It'll become desolate. When they come back, it'll be like the Garden of Eden. Yes. And I think the reason it became desolate is because God was preserving it for him. Nobody wanted that land. No, they did not. I mean, it was really desolate.
1: <laughs> and Mark Twain made that very clear. There were very few people living in that desolate land just 150 years ago. Well, other uh, spiritual leaders, uh, Christian
0: leaders, take the position that the reestablishment of Israel could not have any spiritual significance because. The church has replaced Israel and God has no purpose left for the Jewish people. How do you respond to that?
1: Well, I think Paul would have something to say about <laughs> that. Paul, as you would uh, turn the to Apostle Romans. Paul? The Apostle Paul, yes, sir. He said, By no means has the Lord rejected his people. In other words, the solicitude for Israel in Romans chapter 9, Paul says that he wished he himself could be accursed for the sake of his brethren. In the flesh, those who were Jews in that day and age and down to this very age. And all of Romans chapter 11 talks about the fact that Israel has not been cast away. God has not rejected His people. They are awaiting the understanding that will be given to them when the Lord is about to return and when He does return, but they have not been cast away. By no yet, means.
0: Uh, for 2,000 years, the church has taught that. And the majority of churches today, including the Catholic Church and Protestant, teach that the church has replaced Israel and God has no purpose left for the Jewish people. But you're right. Romans 9 through 11 are the three most ignored chapters in the New Testament by Christian preachers over the years. Yes. It's often been written off as an, uh, a parenthesis, that of, of no importance. Well, of course, they write it off that because. Look look at Romans uh, chapter 3 for example. What advantage has the Jew, Paul asks? Great in every respect and he tells why and yet the church has always said none whatsoever. And then you go over to Romans chapter 9 and he talks about uh, that the Lord still has covenants with the Jews and so forth and so on. You go over to Romans chapter 11. Yes sir. And he says God has not rejected his people, has he? No. And the church for two thousand years said yes, and what does he say? It may it never be.
1: No, may every man be a liar, but the Lord will be faithful.
2: You'd have to ignore the Old Testament, and that's usually what we see. Is replacement theology is yep. New Testament focused, not Old Testament. But doesn't Isaiah eleven eleven say, "It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set His hand again the second time"? Now we've seen the first time, and that was when the Jews were went back around five twenty yep. B.C. Yep. But now a second time is prophesied. They return, and if the church did replace Israel, then we have to do the wars that we read about. Psalm 83 war, the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war we just read, the tribulation wars that are Israel focused would then have to be on the church.
0: Well, I tell you one thing if God has washed his hands of the Jewish people, as so many argue, we're all in trouble because Jesus himself said, I am not going to return to earth until the Jewish people are willing to say, Baruch, haba Hashem, Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Yes. So, there's going to be a great remnant of Jews who are going to be saved. That means God has a purpose for the Jews in the future. Yes, He does. So, well, uh, I wanted to ask you another question, and that has to do with uh, something that's going on on our college and university campuses today that's very, very unsettling. And that is that uh, a series of films, documentary films, have been produced. There's three that I know of that are circulating on college and university campuses today. And these particular films are very anti Semitic, and they argue. That uh, the college students should give their sympathy and their support to the Palestinians and not to the Jews because the Jewish people stole the land from the Palestinians. What about it? (laughs)
2: <laughs> you see this a lot. There's this Jewish guy who actually goes to Berkeley and he'll stand there one day and he'll wave a Hamas flag and he'll say, oh, we're just under- misunderstood. And the students are like, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. And then the next day he goes back and he waves a Jewish flag and the students are, oh, you you apartheid, you you killers, you stuff like that. They have been fed this nonsense, this palace. That you can go to even the Wikipedia and read about Nakba Day. And it sounds like the Jews just stormed into the land and kicked all these poor Palestinians out, and now they're living in refugee camps. But the truth is, they were Syrian invaders who, when Israel became a nation, were on the borders ready to take the land away from Israel. They were shocked that Israel won, and their own people abandoned them there.
0: Well, furthermore, when the Jews began to go back into the land in the 1890s and the early 1900s, uh, there were very few people there, most of them. And, and if you'd ask any of them, what is your identity? They would have said Syrian. Uh, they wouldn't have said Palestinian. There's never been a Palestinian state. There's never been a Palestinian culture. There's never been a Palestinian language. And yet these films create the impression that there was some sort of Palestinian state there and the Jews came in and stole it. Uh, what they did is they came in and bought the land at exorbitant prices and the <laughs> Arabs laughed all the way to the bank over these idiot Jews who are buying this land that's so worthless.
1: I think many of the things we're talking about on college campuses, this included whether it's the boycott, divest, and sanction movement, is proof positive of a depraved mind that given all the other things we're witnessing in our culture, People are willing and ready to accept this kind of a lie, and that's exactly what it is.
2: It's true. Their anti-Semitism makes them believe the lie, which the Bible said in the end time, exactly so. they would choose to believe the lie. You know,
1: Satan right. himself asked in the garden, did God really say? And so, people now, including too many in the church say, did God really say He gave the land to the Jewish people? <laughs> did God really say that He would protect them? Did <laughs> God I really it say? It say clear. Clear. And so, yeah. Satan is trying to undermine the very promises of God in the well, minds of others. Let's get, get to that. Uh, The, the Palestinians. The United Nations and the European Union all
0: take the position that there is no historical claim or basis for uh, the Jews to have a claim, to claim on that land. No historical claim whatsoever.
2: Hebron, <laughs> Jerusalem.
1: <laughs> you know, you can go to, to our Bible, and over 800 times the name Jerusalem okay. appears. Mm-hmm. It is throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, and promises are given to the city, promises are given to the people regarding the city. God has established Jerusalem as the home capital of
2: the Jewish people. You can't for... even find Jerusalem in the Koran, no, right? No, no it's not there not at all. Not and at you all. You know the
0: ultimate, the ultimate anti-Semites uh, try to get around that by saying, well what you've got to understand is that the Jewish people over there they are not really Jews. Uh, they, they are a mixed race that uh, came from uh, a history of people intermarrying and all that. They are not really Jews. And I always say oh, to them, yeah, Boy, you need to go over there and tell the Arabs that. They would be so, so excited to know that there aren't any Jews yeah, in Israel. <laughs> but that's
1: the, the insanity of this political correctness stuff. No, We can go all the way back to Genesis when God promised Abraham that he would give him land that he would show him. Into Deuteronomy chapter 12, 8 through 11, God again and again promised this land to the Jewish people. And it is their heritage, it has been given to them by God. And we know from Psalms, you look at Psalm 24. All the world is the Lord's, and so it is well, His know, to uh, give. There
0: really two covenants that God had. One was the, well, the land covenant, which was everlasting. Yep. This is your land everlasting. But there was another covenant, 30. and that was the use covenant, yeah. the land use covenant. And He said, you know, if you're not faithful to Me, I'm going to put judgments upon you. Of, and, he, and He lists some over 20 judgments in Deuteronomy that He put on. And He said, the ultimate judgment will be, you will be exiled from the land. But you will still own it. The deed is still there. They own it by decree of God. They were exiled because of their disobedience to God. But they still own the land. And they come back and they buy land they already own.
1: Well, and we (laughs) have seen that they have come back in droves and indeed have possessed the land and have said, never again will they leave. And I believe the Scripture backs that commitment up. Well, I would say
0: amen to that.
2: Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our discussion of Israel's 70th anniversary. Tim Moore and I are answering questions from Dr. Reagan concerning the spiritual significance of this event. Okay, Dr. Reagan, hit us with another one.
0: Well, I'm just delighted to have you two guys on the hot seat today, you know. Oh, we we have questions. Good to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now, in the first segment of this program, we talked about how at the beginning of the 20th century, it was just unthinkable that Israel would ever exist again that that God would regather these people from the four corners of the earth even though he promised he would uh, there were very few people who believed that now there were people who did but the very few that he was going to reestablish Israel well now we're in a new situation we're in the situation now where the world is saying there is no hope for Israel Israel days are numbered and if you look at it from a naturalistic viewpoint you have to agree that that is true because Israel Is a tiny little state of only the size of New Jersey. It only has about 7 million Jews, and it's surrounded by 350 million hostile Arabs who are absolutely determined to destroy it. And when the next war breaks out, missiles are just going to come in from everywhere. Is there
1: any hope for Israel? Well, most certainly. And I appreciate the way you phrase that. From a naturalistic viewpoint, it would appear no. There is no hope. Uh, It's hopeless (laughs) because the, the odds are too long. But it reminds me of a story out of 2 Kings chapter 6, when Elisha went with his assistant and uh, was before a city, and the, the assistant looked out and saw all the gathered armies that were surrounding the city to, to bring it under siege and began to lose hope. And he said, Oh, Master, look at all the armies arrayed. And so Elisha prayed, this is in verse 17, and said, "Oh Lord, and the, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Now, what eyes was he talking about? Not his natural eyes. that He could clearly see the, uh, the enemy arrayed around him. But he was basically asking the Lord to open the eyes of his heart, open his spiritual eyes. And so, we see only dimly at this point, many of us, but the Lord opened that man's eyes. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha." In other words, God's provision of an army of Heaven that was there to protect His people. And once again, God will protect His people today. That's what we're going to focus on in an upcoming Battle for Israel tour. Always
0: reminds me of one of my favorite cartoons that shows all the leaders of the world on a tug-of-war with a rope. And they're all on one end, and Netanyahu by By himself is on the other end with no hope. But... God's got his finger on the end of that rope. Yes.
1: <laughs> if we could open our eyes spiritually, we would realize that the odds are indeed very stacked. Against all the enemies of Israel. Because God is against all of them. Nathan,
0: does Israel have any hope?
2: It has to, because <clears throat> if Israel doesn't have hope, then we Gentiles don't have hope either. Because the millennial kingdom is founded on the hope of Israel becoming the prime nation of the world. Not the church, but Israel. Take for instance Isaiah two through four. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house Jerusalem, shall be established as the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills." And it talks about the nations flowing yes. and the Jews blessing the world. And there's other verses where it talks about that 10 people will grab the hold of a sleeve of a Jew and say, take us to Jerusalem because that's where the Messiah is, we want to see Him. The Millennial Kingdom, the reign of Christ on this earth is dependent upon the Jewish people being the prime nation of the world. They have to survive. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well you know it says in Zechariah chapter 12 that in the end times that Judah is going to be like a firepot among pieces of wood and that they will consume the surrounding peoples and Jerusalem will uh, and will Once again, reside in Jerusalem. And we've seen that in war after war after war where it appeared Israel had no hope. But you know, the thing that's interesting about uh, it's one of the smallest countries in the world, and yet it's always rated in the top 10 military powers in the world. uh, And probably in the effective use of military, number one. But uh, the thing that's interesting about the Israelis is they're probably the most morally driven army in the world. They could, they could. Destroy Gaza Strip tomorrow, completely obliterate it. They have always operated with restraint, and yet, even with restraint, the world condemns Condemns. them. Whereas their enemies are hiding in hospitals, hiding in houses, putting women and children out, and, and doing all kinds of atrocities, it's always Israel that is condemned.
2: Which yes, shows knows. that Israel has a place in God's heart because what other nation does the entire world hate and oh. want destroyed? I mean, we're not upset at, at, at North Korea putting people in basically concentration camps. No, we're, we're upset with Israel every time they build an apartment complex. Yes. That's not rational, that's not right. It's clearly a spiritual issue.
0: That's a good point yeah. because uh, you look around the world today and you see all these menacing powers, Iran and North Korea and all of them, and all the problems in the world, and what does the United Nations obsess on? The big Building of apartments in Israel.
1: <laughs> there are ag- agencies <laughs> of the United Nations who spend most of their time focused on Israel and passing resolutions condemning Israel. I mean, that yeah. seems to be their primary function, and yet it is a satanic or a spiritual issue as we've said. And yeah. that's, uh, that's clear from history throughout the last not only 100 years, that's but right. 2,000 years.
0: This last the passage I just read from in Zechariah 12 also says in the end times that Israel will be like David mm. against Goliath. Uh, in terms of uh, their power. And that's a, that's a miracle of God that such a little nation has so much
1: power. Well, and you wonder, why would God pick such a little nation? <laughs> but Paul himself wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, For consider your calling, brethren, that not many of you are wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, and the base things of the world, and the despised things God has chosen. Now, I'm not saying Israel is any of those Things in an eternal sense, but God has indeed chosen the weak to lift it up. And in this case, He has chosen Israel and it is His choice, and we honor that. Okay, we've
0: got a lot of Christians watching who um, perhaps have never had any teaching about Israel. Why should a Christian be concerned about what's going on in Israel today?
1: That's a good question. Because everything that is promised to Israel will come to pass. And if it does not, then the promises made to us are on shaky ground as well. In other words, the same God who has promised all sorts of blessings to flow into our lives, and into the Church, and into history as it comes to a full culmination, the same God has made promises to Israel. So, He is either true to Israel, or He is not true to any of His promises. Nathan, why
0: should Christians be concerned?
2: Well, Tim covered the spiritual. Let's talk, cover the practical. The Jewish people produce more PhDs, more Nobel Prize winners, more scientists, more doctors. The world we wouldn't have the microchip. Artists, we wouldn't have yes. the artists. We wouldn't have the technologies that we have today. The Jewish people bless the world in their attempt to try to prove that they have a right to exist. And can you imagine then, no longer being in in fallen bodies, but. In our spiritual bodies one day, that kind of ability that the gods give them, they will truly bless the world during the millennial kingdom.
0: Well, another reason that I would give why Christians should be concerned about what's going on in Israel today is because Israel is the focus of end time Bible prophecy. It says the Jews are going to be regathered, the state's going to be reestablished, their land is going to be reclaimed, they're going to revive their language, they're going to become a great military power, they're going to reoccupy Jerusalem. They're going to be the focus of world politics, and all of that has come true. And what is that a sign of? That we are living in the season of the Lord's return. That's one reason we all ought to be excited about what's going on in Israel today. Jesus is
1: coming back. I'm always excited when people come with me and they become aware. They may have lived even throughout Mm -hmm. this period of time that Israel has been in existence since 1948, but it really hadn't resonated in their heart. And when they go and they see with their own eyes what God is doing in their very lifetimes, they come home shouting, and as you would say Dave, jumping the pews with excitement and joy over the soon return of Jesus Christ. Well,
0: you know uh, there is a, a prophecy in the book of Jeremiah, two times it is given verbatim. And that prophecy is that when it is all over and done with, and God has accomplished all of His purpose in history, the Jews will look back on their history, and they will no longer swear by the God who delivered them from Egyptian captivity, but by the God who regathered them from the four yes. corners of the earth. That means they're going to consider their regathering in the 20th century and today to be a greater miracle than their deliverance from Egyptian exactly captivity right. and yet the average christian has no concept of, of of that even being a miracle of god
1: and if they're going to if they're going to be that excited about the <laughs> regathering certainly we who understand scripture in both the old testament and the new and the fullness of awareness that god has given us through jesus christ we should be excited already yes.
0: Another point I'd like to make, too, is that uh, you've been reading a lot from Ezekiel. Yes. And that is that Ezekiel makes it clear that when that final battle comes, when Russia comes down with all of its uh, Muslim allies against Israel, it's not Israel that's going to triumph, it's God's going to triumph. He is going to supernaturally destroy those armies on the mountains of Israel. And it says He's going to do it through turning them against each other, but He's going to do it through natural phenomenon like earthquakes and all. And and I happen to believe that those earthquakes are going to result in the Dome of the Rock collapsing (laughs) and making way for the building of the Temple.
1: Yes, sir.
2: Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our discussion of Israel's 70th anniversary. Now, as part of our celebration of that event, we're taking a pilgrimage group to Israel in mid-October this year, and Tim will be leading it. So, Tim, tell our viewers about how they can get on that tour.
1: Well, Nathan, this fall we're going to be taking a pilgrimage on October 13th through the 24th. We're going to spend two nights in Tel Aviv where, among other things, we will visit Independence Hall, where David Ben-Gurion read the Declaration of Independence in 1948, We'll spend two nights in Tiberias on the Sea of Galilee where we will explore the towns all in that region where Jesus focused His ministry. And then the final five nights will be in Jerusalem. And during that time we'll go for a day on exploring Qumran and Masada at the Dead Sea and all the other sites in that vicinity. We will also be spending other days exploring the Old and New Jerusalem. And we will conclude our visit with a communion service at the Garden Tomb. And folks, you can find out even more details about this wonderful pilgrimage
0: by calling our office or checking our website. Well, that's our program for this week. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I hope the Lord willing you will be back with us next week. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb & Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near.
2: Dr. Reagan's book, Israel and Bible Prophecy, Past, Present, and Future, presents a sweeping overview of what the Bible says about Israel and the Jewish people in the end times. The book looks first at four end time prophecies fulfilled before the beginning of the 20th century. Specifically, the dispersion of the Jewish people worldwide, their persecution wherever they went, the miraculous preservation, and the desolation of their land. Then Dr. Reagan shifts his attention to the seven prophecies that were fulfilled in whole or in part during the 20th century. The regathering of the Jews to their homeland, the reestablishment of the state of Israel, the revival of the Hebrew language, the reclamation of the land of Israel, the resurgence of the Israeli military, the reoccupation of the city of Jerusalem, and the refocusing of world politics on Israel. Finally, Dr. Reagan concludes the book by focusing on the end time prophecies yet to be fulfilled among the Jewish people. The book can be yours for a gift of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. Just call the number you see on the screen or place your order through our website at lamblion.com. And as a bonus, we will send you a complimentary copy of one of our most popular video albums titled The End Time Focus on Israel. Both the book and the video can be yours for a gift of $20 or more, including shipping. Again, place your order Order either by calling the number you see on the screen or access our website at lamblion.com. As for offer number 820. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation
0: of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals
2: of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.